All right, we are back, and it is well back. We are here. Back. We just started. <laughs> we are here. It is. Uh, what is this? February of 2018. Uh, we are normally three DMs talking about our games and helping each other out, but tonight uh, Sam has not yet been able to join us. Uh, we are hoping that he will be able to to jump in here before we're done. Uh, but in the meantime, it is myself, Jeff Greiner, uh, and Mike Shea. Hi, Mike. Hello. Hello, how are you? I'm doing all right. I mean, we know how each other are. We were talking before the we, show. But... We did chat for about 15 minutes yeah. before we In the started. last 45 seconds, how are you? Uh, not much has changed. Yeah, no, okay. it's about the same. So we, we set the timer 15 minutes for each of us. Hopefully that gives a half an hour and, and Sam gets here later on, assuming that neither one of us goes overly long or overly short and changes that time dramatically. So 15 minutes and this time up, I get to start. So I am going now. Uh, so the last time we talked, I was trying to figure out what the heck to do with my players who had just uh, gotten to a Mind Flayer Enclave being ruled by Orcus. Uh, if you remember that whole thing, I wanted to... Inter- I do. Yeah, so I wanted to integrate all of that into um, into the, the larger sort of Out of the Abyss storyline that was going on. I always found the Orcus part of that to be intriguing, even though it wasn't part of the actual like published adventure. And since they were kind of on a side quest anyway, I, I threw it in here. Uh, and so the, they sort of, we they ended sort of overlooking the whole um, Mind Flayer colony that I then very vaguely and didn't really describe because I wasn't sure what I wanted to do with it. And then after, you got, after we talked, I decided to use your uh, Obsidian Enclave from Fantastic Locations. As the basis oh. for what it looked like, but I think yeah. I recommended it as like a shameless plug. You did, you did, and it but worked I well. I didn't know you were. Uh, using it. Yeah. They were super intrigued by um, by the the giant frozen titan thing, yeah. and, and like explored explored the heck out of that thing, and then never really figured anything out, and, and quickly realized it was irrelevant to the actual task at and, hand. In your game, did you have an idea what it was yourself? Uh, maybe vaguely. So they're, they're underneath the area, uh, that is, that used to be and is currently in our world, India. Uh, and they've already, I've already played around with some Hindu gods or whatever. So I kind of had it in my head that maybe it was one of the, one of the aspects of the, you know, thousands of, of various Hindu gods, um, mm-hmm. that had been frozen there. But I don't know that I ever really detailed it because it wasn't really relevant to the larger story of what was going on. It's just sort of this weird mystery and that makes the setting interesting. Mm-hmm. So um, they did a little bit of scouting, and I had them run into a group of Gith, uh, a Gith uh, Yankee that you also had recommended, I think, um, mm-hmm. in the last time we chatted. Um, and the Gith are like, hey, so here's the deal. Here's what we want you to do. And, and it was complicated by the fact that the Gith had teamed up with a red dragon who happened to be the exact same red dragon from the Fire Temple from when they were doing that and and who they gave the fire weapon to and is trying to restart the cult. And so he's made this alliance with the Gith and is like, well, I'll help you take out this colony and then you join me in this fire cult thing. (laughs) Um, So the party ended up being like, well, we could really use these allies. Um, So they end up teaming up with their old enemy in order to help him uh, solidify an alliance that's going to help him make the, the fire cult be a thing. Cool. So that was fun. 
Um, and then, meanwhile, um, one of the mind flayers, um, I forget the names of the type, but there's the type of mind flayer whose tentacles are like so long they go down to their feet sort of thing. What's that? Alhoons. No, that's the that's the uh, what the Arcan Arcanist uh, mind flayers the Alhoon, oh is it yeah or maybe the Lich ones or whatever yeah no so there's it's like the Ultralithids or something like that um, mm. but they're like you know once one one in every so many thousands of mind flayers becomes this thing and they they kind of become like lieutenant masterminds sort of leaders uh, you know ab- above the hive mind sort of thing um, that worked separately from from the others. So they ran into that, and it was trying to convince them to um, raise the elder brain. Uh, and so they were presented with all these different options, right? And how do you deal with the situation, right? You can either follow the lead of this thing that you don't really trust anyway and raise the elder brain from the dead, uh, creating what, is, what would effectively be a civil war within the cavern of Orcus and his undead versus all the mind flayers and the elder brain and all of their thralls. Um, and that basically solves the problem that, that they need to solve. They could just go kill the Elder Brain and then Orcus can no longer control the Mind Flayers uh, and, all, and through them all of the Thralls and whatever. And that significantly changes the dynamics. Um, and those were honestly the two options I thought they were going to go with. Uh, because, the, because the other obvious option is, you know, go kill Orcus. And they're, right. they're 12th <laughs> level. And who even thinks that that's a good option? Uh, Right? Yeah, I never know. Yeah, well, hard. yeah, well, guess what? They they did it. <laughs> so, uh, did they fight him and beat him? Uh, yeah. So so um, basically, the the team up with the Gith was the Gith were going to use the Orcus attack as a distraction, and then they would go attack the Elder Brain. And so basically, the all of the um, all the forces in the cavern split and all the mind flayer and their thralls went after protecting the elder brain and all the undead tried to go into the cavern where Orcus was. Uh, so they really only had to deal with, with undead and Orcus. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I tell you what, I was kicking butt with Orcus except like, or I was, I was poised to kick butt like round one time stop. I got three rounds by the time he comes out of the time stop, two characters would have been paced yeah. Uh, and then one of the characters is like, oh, that's time stop. Okay. Because uh, after I'd already rolled like two rounds of damage. Oh, that was time stop. You didn't tell me it was a spell. I counterspell it. Damn counterspell. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. So they, they, and they successfully rolled it and counterspelled. They counterspelled it. Oh, they, they, so they rolled to check. Yeah. They counterspelled so the cast time, time stop. stop. Orcus himself. Orcus. Yeah. Orcus cast time yeah. stop. He has it, but he doesn't have counterspell. And, but he doesn't have counterspell. So he can't okay. counter the counterspell. Um, and, and they also did the same thing with one of his, uh, power word kills. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, they, and that one I was being nice cause it was, it's technically yeah, not a it's spell. Technically a, a thing. Yeah. Right. He can just sort of do it, but you know, I'm like, okay, I'll be nice and whatever. And I let him counterspell that because I also had, uh, another, um, group of undead, more elite sort of undead coming into the cavern about that time. And one, and they were led by a lich who also had power word kill. So I knew I could do it again in a round or two. Right. Um, and and the character that was being targeted was the monk slash warlock that has less than a hundred hit points at max, so it's just an automatic kill for that character. Right. Um, so you know, whatever. Uh, and and they're beaten up on on Orcas pretty well, and the adventure uh, the 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 encounter is going going well, and it's really tense. And and at one point, I do end up managing to uh, power word kill that monk, uh, monk slash warlock. 
And then uh, the Scion character, I'm letting him play the Unearthed Arcana Scion. Uh, and he's doing the Soul Knife, and he has an ability where he like enlarges himself to, to giant-sized. Right. And then creates these, you know, psionic knife, energy knives on his hands and just beats things. Um, he manages, and I'm using, uh, so Nord Games makes a, a critical hit deck mm-hmm. to, to add a little spice. Uh, right. And so he rolled, in the combat with Orcus, within three rounds, he rolled two critical hits. And just oh. hap- and on a random pull of the deck, on both of them got a quadruple damage card. <laughs> so he i mean with those two hits alone he just about took out orcus and then the rest of it was the other damage from everybody else or whatever that finished him off Mm -hmm. um so and then i was curious i was trying to figure out well what and i i think i tweeted something about this like okay so it's the it's out of the abyss if the demon lords are killed what happens to them do they just reform elsewhere in the underdark because they're the whole point is that they can't go home um, are they dead dead? Well, th- you can't kill a demon lord if they're not on their home plane, but they can't go to their home plane because it's out of the abyss, right? Perhaps perhaps they drop to a, a state where they can only follow around the other demon princes until everyone's dead and then they reform. Maybe, like, yeah. Like, and, like dying in an MMO. Well, so I, yeah, <laughs> like, I, and so I, I, I sent it to Twitter and they get, they sent me a bunch of ideas and many of them were, were awesome and many of them were funny and like one of them was like, oh, he's reincarnated as a lesser being so later on they're at the end and they find like Janitor Orcus over there sweeping sweeping up the 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 tavern or whatever Um, and that was funny and and whatever but uh the option i went with which i think may have come from eric paquette who actually inspired um some of the things i talked about in the last episode um was that there was an opportunity to bind the energy the power of orcus to the souls of the characters Mm-hmm. Which has no mechanical effect on the characters, except they can never be raised from the dead without releasing Orcus's energy to possibly have him return to the world. So mm-hmm. as long as they live and as long as they're never raised from the dead, Orcus will never reform in the world. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Right. And, and uh, it was the dead monk character that I allowed the opportunity to, to decide whether or not they, they would be bound because it was actually his patron. He, he picked up a few levels of Warlock at the end. It was his patron that was making the offer. I will bind Orcus's energy to your friends uh, mm-hmm. who are still alive back in the world if you want me to. And so he did. Um, mm-hmm. Meanwhile, that was the little uh, switcheroo or, or wrinkle I threw in with the dead character is – I had um, his patron, who turns out was Fraz Erblu, who had made a connection with him when he, they were doing dealing with the gym of Fraz Erblu back in, in uh, Mantle Dareth. You remember back to that part of the adventure, mm-hmm. and so he'd he'd been he'd been a follower, a warlock of Fraz Erblu for several levels now, and never knew who his patron was. Because, of course, Fraz Erblu is, is the demon lord of, like, lies and illusions. So if, right. he, if he can't hide who he is, nobody can, right? Um, so Fraz Erblu, like, plucked his warlock out just at the last minute, and the, and the players were all confused. Like, well, he died, and then his body disappeared. Well, yeah, because he didn't die. He was plucked out of the way and, and replaced with an illusion, which then faded. Um. And so I gave him the option of, you know, here's here's the deal that Frazer Blue is willing to make you. And it was something like, um, it, it was, you, I will return you to life, uh, but you will serve me from now on and you are required to perform this ritual that will summon me to the world. Hmm. That will allow me to go to, to Earth. Um, 
he and he didn't want to take that deal primarily because he wasn't really interested in taking all levels of warlock from that point forward. Mm-hmm. Um, he wanted to keep doing monk stuff. Um, and then the other option was, you know, you don't, or if you don't want to do do monk stuff, uh, or if you don't want to do the warlock thing, you know, then we can just NPC the character and I'll decide what happens to him, right? Or I can just say he's dead or whatever. Um, and and he presented another option, and this is, goes to, you know, people should like listen to their players and talk to them about these things. Um, he's like, well, I, I wouldn't mind playing a wizard. Is there a way that we can make that work and whatever? And so we came up with a, a deal where, you know, time in other planes can flow differently. So he ended up being gone in a period of time that he thought was like half a century, right? He mm-hmm. was gone for like 50 years and remolded and recreated in, in Fraz Erblu's image, so to speak, and became an illusionist wizard. Hmm. Um, and then returned to the, to the party with the continued caveat of, but when you get there, you have to perform this, this ritual that will allow me to come to the world, right? Um, so, so that was the deal he ended up making. Meanwhile, the rest of the party is like, okay, well, uh, that sucks. He's dead. Let's go back up to the surface and get this, this deity, this Hindu deity uh, that we're trying to free freed. Right. The guy who's taken him is there outside the city waiting for them. He, he got word of what was going on. Uh, he's got his army waiting for them. And he's like, hey, here's the guy. He's all tied up in these golden chains and can't get up. And I, I will totally free him. Uh, but you seem to have the power of Orcus about you. You're going to go ahead and give that to me willingly. Or I'm going to go ahead and, and just eat one of the aspects of this deity that, that I saved for you. Hmm. Which and they're like, but you're breaking the deal. How can we trust you? It's like, yeah, because I'm a rakshasa and that's what I do, <laughs> right? Sure. Uh, so eventually, so I presented them with the interesting sort of moral decision, and they had to make a choice. And they ended up going with, okay, we'll give you the power of Orcus. Now Orcus can never come back until this rakshasa dies, um, <laughs> or or maybe this rakshasa just eventually, you know, bursts at the seams and becomes Orcus, right? Um, which always seems possible. Who knows? But they they figure that's that's a problem for a later time. This way we save the 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 goodly relatively goodly deity that we need to save. Um, the goodly deity shows them the way to get where they need to go, which is what they needed to save them for. Um, and it's it turns out it is uh, a long ways away in the city that used to be Mumbai. There's a, a gate, the the gateway to India there, which is an actual place that I knew of because I had been there several years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and but they needed to get there, and and he offered them. Well, there's this there's this old vehicle device thing that will take you there, but it needs to be repaired and whatever. And he gave them access to what is basically an old train tunnel. Uh, and after traveling a while down, they found the train, and it is you know the power source doesn't work, and it is inhabited. It has been um, squatted in basically by a tribe of kinku because I pulled them as as creatures that might be interesting in this area or whatever. Right, uh, and they they manage to make a deal with the Kinku. They separate just the the engine. They they fix the thing. They speed off to Mumbai. Uh, they get there and they find that the the insectoid hive creatures that have sort of infested the world were were had t- basically taken over Mumbai. And they manage to get to the gate and travel through it to uh, what is Cairo, uh, having overshot. Um, the the part of the Middle East they needed to get to by a little bit, and now they I, then they were presented with like four or five options, and it was like okay, well, which of these options are you going to you follow now to get where you need to go? Also, by the way, that gnome that died, the the monk gnome that died, there he is, and he's a wizard now, uh, and, so, <laughs> and and he's and like they popped out of the the gate to Cairo. 
And he's just sitting there drinking tea with uh, an NPC that turns out to be a djinn. You know, they're just sitting there drinking tea and, and enjoying themselves and, and, and what have you. Um, you know, and then he rejoins the party from there. And they're all very confused and like, who are you and are, how do we know we're, you're actually you and, you know, all that kind of stuff that happens. Hmm. Uh, and yeah, so then they were presented with all these different options about what to do and where to go and how to do it. And, um, and, and they, they figured uh, they were going to go with the little side quest option that I had set mm-hmm. up that would allow them to get like these these mythical flying steeds that were de- that are detailed in the Tome of Beasts the uh, was it the Barak that look I, I don't know the the actual um, storyline behind them but they looked something out of Mes- Mesopotamian lore so I thought they would fit in well here mm-hmm. um, and you know and they're lawful good intelligent divine steeds that can fly and could have taken them where they wanted to go but they didn't they decided not to go that way um, instead they decided oh well through a temporary teleportation circle, we can just pop back to home and get all the supplies and water and things that we need and go off into the desert. No problem. And so mm-hmm. they did, they handled it that way. Um, and, you know, I threw in a random encounter at the end. It was a relatively low action session, which I don't mind. Mm-hmm. But usually when I have low action sessions, there's also like big like reveals you know and large story development things i don't know i felt like the last session was boring after the orcas mm-hmm. fight with two sessions ago the session i had last weekend was um it was kind of eh. you know there mm-hmm. were se- several players i could tell were were on their phones and, and not really that into it and whatever and i could tell and and they weren't taking some of the more interesting hooks and some of the the mm-hmm. hard choices were more annoying i think than they were hard uh, right you know, so yeah, it can be a fine line and stuff like that yeah yeah and so you know um i'll have to i think i think it's going to be less problematic in the next few sessions because they're go- heading into the next part of the uh, Rada Seven Parts, they're going after parts four and five, which happen to be in the same location. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think I'm thinking I want to throw like a side quest in Adam uh, on the way there, so it's not just you walk through the desert and then there's this plateau and and haha the next adventure. Let me read from box text. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so I, and and flipping through again the Tome of Beasts, I, I ran into some lots of different creatures and whatever, and I had this idea. So I, I think I might have like to play up the whole post-apocalyptic Earth thing. I think I might have them like stop at an oasis um, near the edge of the ruins of a city, and the ruins of the city. Uh, most of the ruins of the city are just a giant pane of glass because it had been nuked, you know, thousands of years ago. Uh, and it just sort of turned the entire desert into glass. And then there's just ruins of a city along the edge that hadn't been quite thoroughly destroyed. Uh, and there's a creature in the uh, Tome of Beasts that is, it's basically uh, an oasis ooze mm-hmm. that when you drink from its waters, uh, and it can basically uh, give you visions and force you to accept a geas to, mm-hmm. to do something. And so I might have it, um, you know send them on some mysterious quest into the ruins and then I can pull out all the like mummy and undead and that kind of stuff and, and, and have them do something there. I'm not entirely sure what and, and I want to make it meaningful but I also I, 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 I want to give them something to do that's not just wander through the desert until you get to the next part of the adventure, you know? Mm-hmm. So if you get ideas of what what they what their goal might be or why the, the ooze uh, Oasis ooze might be sending them in there, you know, let me know. Yeah, I don't know. 
I mean, it, what's, what's hard in my mind is like, what's what's the big bad after Orcus? <laughs> oh <laughs> <You> know, yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah, um, well, you know, I'll figure that out as time goes. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know what the big bad is after Orcas. It's it's Miska. Yeah, right. Sure. Who who is also Thera's done, and they did figure that out a little bit in the, the last session. They perked up a little bit once they got to like uh, talk to the deity Brahma, who was the right. the one of the, one of the aspects of the thing that they that they rescued, because he mm-hmm. like knows it all. He just doesn't care about what's going on. Right. So. But yeah. Well, so, if you got any ideas about what could be interesting in terms of uh, what they're doing on the side quest, what the ooze wants them to accomplish. Yeah, I don't know. Nothing nothing leaps right out at me. All right, well, I mean, the, one of the great things I'm finding about um, both the Monster Manual, Volo's Guide, Tome of Vis, all of those, is that I have lots and lots of sources of inspiration. Yeah. So, so I tend to just flip through the pages and, and, and write down any monsters I see that look like they might be useful or, or fit into the sort of the setting that I'm going into or the scenario I'm, I'm trying to build. And then I read a little bit of the lore and a lot of times that will present me with yeah. what's going on, you know, so. I, I just finished reading all of the monster manual mm-hmm. all the way through. Like I read, uh, you know, I didn't pour over the stat blocks, but just reading all of the lore and man. You know, it's a different book when you treat it that way. Mm-hmm. Like I, I wish, I wish I had done it three years ago. Well, and and that's you know, tricky. And now too. I need to do it. Volo's guide. Yeah, that's tricky too because I don't know that. Like it, when I read books like that, cover to cover, I see all of the sources of inspiration. But what am I going to do with with seven hundred sources of inspiration at one time? Yeah, right? I don't so, know. A lot of times, like I'll remember. Oh yeah, so this is what gnolls are about. Yeah. So it's, you know. it's usually more useful to me to be like going through right before my session, find right. a few things and then use the Lord for the, you know, one or two pieces of lore as inspiration yeah. for the next thing yeah. I do. Yeah. Yeah. So, of course, if you've read it through once, then you know, oh, yeah, you've I, got I, it, I kind of vaguely remember there was something here that yeah, might be exactly. interesting. Right. Yeah, so right on. Absolutely. Well, I am well over my time. I think that's going to be okay because uh, I think I got a text from Sam a while ago that it's not looking good for him being able to yeah, join us. So we'll I see what that. happens. Um, so we'll go ahead and move on to our, our sponsor spot. I want to thank Noble Knight for su- uh, supporting us, as they have been doing for a very, very long time. Um, so head over to noblenight.com. They have out-of-print products as well as new stuff. Uh, and they've recently redesigned the website, and it's really um, much better, much easier to navigate than, than it was before. And that's, that's good for them. So um you should totally check them out my pick for this episode is an old second edition book highlighting the fact that they find out of print products uh one of my favorite old second edition books i actually have one of this and i I think this one i mentioned another one to you earlier that the cover had fallen off of i think this one has lost its cover off for me as well Uh, but for 35 dollars, they have old empires originally published in 1990 uh is a soft cover uh book that has that it was one of those sort of uh forgotten realms supplement books that like they were when they were zooming in on different regions of the setting and this one is the old empire setting which is sort of the southwest section of the world or of the i guess the continent that usually is featured um and it, it includes like mulherond which is the the uh, right. ancient egypt it's it details thay the red wizards of thay um it details i want to say it details um What's the Mesopotamian one down there? I can't remember that off the top of my head, but there's a Mesopotamian oh, analog yeah. down there too. Um, it's not Jacinta, is it? No, that's a different I, thing. No, so I don't remember. It, anyway, there's, it's, it's a whole thing. And it's really, 
considering what I'm running right now and looking for sources of inspiration uh, in terms of Middle Eastern uh, inspired um, Arabian adventure sort of um, hooks and, and side quests and whatever, I think this is probably a, a book I'm going to go to and flip through to see if there's any great ideas in there for me. And it's and it's only $35 for for this product, which uh, for something that's that far out of print and uh, from this line of Forgotten Realms products, that's actually not too bad. Um, mm-hmm. The one we had talked about before was $70, I think, for, for that one that we were talking about. Yeah. So. Uh, so $35 isn't too bad for one of these old things because uh, they were they put out some great product back then. Yep. So there we go, Noble Knight. Let him know that the Tome Show sent you. Hello. Thank you for having me. Yes, I normally devour Noble Knights. But right now, I do have one Noble Knight I love. And that's NobleKnight.com. set a timer Uh and you're going to tell me about your game and then did you know you're going to keep talking even though the timer went off yep (laughs) Uh, did you know that orcus can summon uh three mind flayer liches as an action i don't know that i knew that off the top of my head no yeah he can (laughs) within his own rules and they all are legendary and all get legendary actions (laughs) it would be the most monstrous fight to run Oh but yeah, I'm no. Pretty sure, I'm and pretty th- sure you'd kill everybody. And I thought of that actually recently. I was I was reading um, I was reading a comic or something recently, and and there was um, this one character who's kind of going crazy. Is like, no, everything we've done all the way since like chapter two of this whole story, everything after that has all been a dream because we actually <laughs> lost that fight and whatever. I'm like, you know, I could do that. Like, I could make <laughs> the whole thing be a dream. And yeah, you sure, beat Orcus, but it wasn't. Been screwing with yeah, you. it wasn't real. You were actually all stuck in pods down in that oh, back in that yeah. Mind Flayer colony this whole time. Ha 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 ha! That's why Orcus was so easy to beat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I might still uh, do that. So <laughs> anyway, it's your time summon, now. He can summon five demi liches as well. Not at the same time, but if he separately. Yeah, you know, uh, he's, he's not much of a caster. If you if you look through like what, yeah, he, but he can he can summon un, he can summon five hundred hit points worth of undead. Yeah, that's, that's and demi liches only have eighty, <laughs> so six demi liches maybe. There you go, six of Sarax. Six of Sarax, and they're all draining life. So I am <laughs> running Tomb of Annihilation. Yeah, you I are. Started. I had my I've had two sessions, so I, I think I've had three three sessions so far. Uh, the first one was my introductory session. I think I did. I talk about this one. It was I said it in Baldur. So I didn't play the intro the way it's in the book because mm-hmm. why would I do that? Um, and instead, I had them hunting down the last Balite cleric, the last Balite um, uh, uh, fanatic in uh, Baldur's Gate. Mm-hmm. And I was basing it on the murderer Baldur's Gate idea, which was all about Balite, evil Balite cultist kind of stuff, and that there was one left, and this one had learned something. You know, had captured the book of a lich and had read it and learned something terrible. And meanwhile, 
the and, and our group decided that they wanted to be allied with the Flaming Fist mercenaries. So they're mm. all tied to the Flaming Fist mercenary company. So I changed uh, Syndra Sylvain is sort of the primary NPC that mm. drives of Annihilation. I changed her into like a commander of um, uh, Flaming Fist. Mm-hmm. So she says something's going on with dead people and we think this guy might know something you know, just get rid of him, but get his book and bring it back. And so it, the game started with them at the front door of this forgotten Baalite shrine down underneath the undersellers of um, Baldur's Gate. Mm-hmm. And um, they went and they got him and it was just like character introduction. I wanted to start with a small dungeon and like right into sort of dungeon exploration and, uh, you know, fighting cool stuff at level one. And it, this was their level one introduction. So by the end, they were level two and that way they felt a little bit beefier. Sure. Um, so they got the book, they learned about, you know, they, they fought the Balite cleric, they, they uh, got the book, they returned, and then they were on a boat and they headed to um, Port Nyanzaru because the Balite cleric had this crazy madman's map on the wall that showed all these lines of dead people and they were all ending uh, in Chult. So they knew whatever is going on with the dead, it's not just that they're, the spirits aren't making it to their world, it's that they're all ending up somewhere in Chult. Okay. By the way, this whole thing is full of spoilers for tomb of annihilation so if you're playing it stop listening yeah that that should go without saying but it's go good to say night instead right um so uh they got on a boat in the in in the adventure you teleport in uh-huh uh i didn't I, I they have this great uh uh dragon turtle that you have to bribe to make it into port nianzaru into the bay and i said i want to have that so i had them get on a boat and travel there and of course the the, the boat the, the, the sailors are with, I expect them to pay the bribe. And they have this crown that they got from the Balite cleric that they have to throw into the water. Well, and so, it lands on one. Yeah. So, so you've, you've eliminated, completely eliminated the, the whole death curse. Uh, hook. No, the death curse happens. They know that people that have been raised from the dead are starting to fall apart. Okay. But it's not urgent. Okay. It, it's not the one hit point per day in three months. Everyone's going to be dead, kind of thing. So you've eliminated the the ticking time bomb. The ticking time. And a lot of a lot of what I had read. This is the nice thing about starting this a little bit later than other people. Is a lot of what I read said that was a real troubling. That's a real trouble spot yeah. for the adventure. No, and that that was that was true well, for my. Re- and, that was my big issue with with in my review and boy, as well. Is it easy to just not say that part? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like just don't say the one hit point per level, and no one cares. Right. right. It's just she's got yeah, Sindra Sylvain, for example, is, in fact, falling apart. And she shows that like part of her arm has turned into dead skin. But right. it's not like I'm going to be dead in three weeks. And people, that means no dinosaur. Reason. People are di- people are dying at the speed of plot. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's perfect. And none of my players care. Right there. I mean, they care about that idea, but they're not like, oh, my God, we got to move. Um, so that gives a little bit of free room yeah. for the adventure. To and it lets you have fun exploring, which is like half the right. fun. Exactly. So, uh, but I wanted them to get on a boat, and I wanted them to um, uh, deal with the dragon turtle, and they did, and that was cool—an island that rises up, and then a big head, and they see it, and they have to throw a crown, and it lands on the corner. It lands on one of the horns of the dragon, and he kind of looks at it and smiles, and goes back under the sea. Um, so that was fun. And then they spent one session in Port Nyanzaru. One of the players' characters was introduced there. He's actually native to Chult, and. Uh, he works for the um, merchant prince who is allied with the with the flaming fierce mercenaries, um, and uh, joined the party to go explore this part of it as well. They 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 all you know we want to find out what's going on with the death curse. It's really not good. Uh, learn somebody, but we don't know. Like Cholt is so wild, we don't know exactly 
where we don't know even who knows exactly what's going on. But the further south you go, the more likely you are to run into people who know, hmm. you know, but it's very dangerous. And this this gets to my uh, one, probably my complaint. I love it. So, so just starting and having having given it a really solid skim, you know, like I've read most of what I need to read. I mm-hmm. haven't dug totally deep into the final dungeon. That's the one area that I haven't like, you know, it's, it's going to be well. It's well. Yeah. It's well put together. You'll be fine there. Yeah, and it, but it looks fine, and I and I'm you know again I'll modify anything I don't need. But my main question is like, okay, what happens to Port Nianzaru, and what happens during the exploration through the lands of Chult? And and then I did read about Omu, uh, but I haven't read about the dungeon itself. I said mm-hmm. I'll wait till we're a little closer before I dig yeah, deep into that. I think it'll be so. Good. I just know what's there. Um, the biggest modification I think the whole adventure needs is that hook, and you're kind of dealing with that. So, oh the uh, the the death curse the death curse and i think there's there's because like the big final sort of point and big spoilers here is is that Aserak is gathering the soul energy to raise uh, a new yeah. death god right um and yet that is a non-existent story thread until the very end when you find it yeah so here's here's a real thing that i'm kind of mad about mm-hmm. and I, of course i got all surly on twitter because that's what we do <laughs> um, Chris Perkins spoiled that in the Acquisitions Incorporated game. Oh yeah, so like four thousand people heard it, and and one of them was my wife. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, "There's a Death God that's being resurrected." I'm like, "Oh my God, why did you say that?" Well, and and, and honestly, that, your own adventure. That, that's where I thought you were going when you said um, when you were talking about this weird book that the cultists found. Is I thought that was going to be the new hook. You know, not don't worry as much about the death curse, but, but oh my gosh, they're raising a death god. You better get down there and figure out what, how to stop it. You know? Yes. So I think I leak that early. Like I, th- I, you know, I, I, I think, think yeah. it's probably worth leaking early anyway because it's I think cool. it makes it more meaningful. So that's, right. That's one of the, that's one of like the hints that's going to go on and my wife will know what it is. That's fine. Yeah. She'll, she'll enjoy the ride anyway, but she'll enjoy knowing that she knows it and the other players don't. And maybe her character figures it out but isn't allowed to say it or something. I don't know. Right. I'll, I'll come up with some kind of thing. But I, I was pissed. I was like, man. You know, anyway, so um, one of the so I love the adventure. I love how it's put together to me. Like my issue with Storm King's Thunder was that um, the big open sandbox chapter has like 40,000 places with three lines of text each. Mm -hmm. And this one has I think it's 16 or 17 well-developed locations. Like, you know, I would consider them to be like my caliber of fantastic location. There's really interesting things. They have great maps. There's lots of things to do there like 17 of them right. so those i think are great because they can also be completely separated from the adventure and you could run them in anything mm-hmm. um so i like that a lot uh, i just i like the overall structure the one thing that i think is missing and i and i think back that like this is a problem i've had with all of the published adventures is there isn't really a good map that shows the the network of connections between npcs and plot points and locations mm-hmm so I don't know all of the pent- potential paths that could exist from the NPCs of Port Nianzaru to Omu. Mm-hmm. Like, who's there? And it feels, yeah. like, it, it feels like one could... And I did. Like, I sat down with freaking Excel, and I made one. Where it's like, these are the NPCs in Port Nianzaru. These are the places... Like, you know, if you look at those 17 locations and you throw Omu in there, because eventually mm-hmm. they have to get to Omu, it's like, who knows about Omu? And it's like, well, these five people do. Okay, who knows about those five people? Like, what locations are those people in? Well, they're, they're here, they're here, and here. Okay, then what people can get you to there, right? Like, I need, it feels, well, it's, here's the weird thing. It feels like I need that, right? Yeah. It feels well, there's like no, there's no, get- there's no clear path to Omu 
And there's no right. clear hint that that's where you need to go. But but, but you it, have it, to get there to to complete the yeah. story. And 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 so they they kind of give you the guides, right? And there's like eight or ten or twelve guides. Um, right. And the problem is like a couple of them are complete red herrings. Like one of them is bad, right? And and this, I guess will lead you bear that screws you. One of them already knows the way, right? <laughs> and right. Gets, just gets you right there. And then one of them is like, oh, I'll get you there, and then takes you on a completely different path. And it's like three hundred miles to get where he's going. And it's not where you need to be, right? No, so so, like, so it, months, and it, you would like in you would take out of game months to get there, and in, then it would be the wrong place. In my mind, uh, I had I, I laid out a path of how I would think how I right. think I would do it, right. and right. I think I would do it with Arctic Simber. Um, yes. I would have him pop up in my head. The ideal place for him to pop up is Mesro, but he can be anywhere. Uh, and with Arctis Simber, I would then lay the groundwork for them to go to the Naga. There's a uh, sort of a yeah, seer Naga right. or whatever, and you complete the challenges. And I just love the idea of the players sort of completing those challenges. And then the Naga can point them to Omu because right. it's a and seer. That, so, so I, you know, yeah. So that that I, I don't know. Right, I actually already hinted about the Naga, so they've they've uh, they've started getting weird brain stuff about the Naga because that one you get dreams and things. Mm-hmm. Um, but but then I also really like uh, um, uh, what's her name um, the hag uh, uh, nanny poo poo yes so I really like her and it's like well I you know I would consider a path where she knows about it right and I think she does uh, but you got to deal with her nonsense and there's so, also the red so wizards I think the res- red red wizards have a clue as well yeah so there's like four or five and they even say in the book like here are five people that could potentially know this stuff and they're all like major which is great I just you know like in, in I, I don't know if they have it in this they like a flow of how the adventure goes right but the flow chart that they had in Storm King's Thunder is like here's six things and what I need is like no I need like 26 things I need a big web right that shows me that and I can follow in my I can yeah. use my thinking follow the paths right and oddly enough in the adventure that had relatively few options and didn't really need a flow chart they had a great flow chart and then the one that really needs a flow chart doesn't have one (laughs) well you mean sword uh sword coast well no because there were uh there was there was a flow chart in storm king's thunder that's i'm sorry that's right yeah well yeah but the flow chart wasn't really that useful because it's like it's basically the chapters of the book yeah go from a to b and b to c and then c splits off into five different ways and yeah yeah it really didn't help me. That right, flowchart didn't help. So, so they didn't need that one, but they need one here. Yeah, right. Uh, but I think it. I think if they had one in here, it would have to be more. The the granularity would have to be much deeper. Yeah. Uh, anyway, and that's not a huge issue, but it does take homework. You know, for me, it took homework. But then, what I ask myself is, am I? Is this really important? Or can I just let them kind of go and we'll figure it out? But I do think it's important because some of those guides really suck, and I, you know, I just eliminated. I said, here are three guides I like. And I said, those three guides get involved with the players and they could pick one. Right. And they did. And and it, they ended up picking a, f- a fun one. And, and they're going to get there. They picked a Eku, who's actually a Kutail. And the Kutail actually knows everything. Quaddle? Uh, um, but I... That's how I've always pronounced it. Quaddle? Oh, is it Quaddle? It's That's... probably Quaddle. <laughs> what is, what is uh, Matt Mercer? I, I have no idea. I haven't checked. Um, so... Uh, yeah, so so anyway, they they went through Port Nine Zero. They bet on the dinosaur races. They enjoyed that. They got suited up, and then they went across. And they I've started the hex crawl, and right now I'm enjoying the hex crawl. Like we've we've kind of got a rhythm going about what checks they need to make and what player is doing what. That's good because that can I'm, get old it, quick. If 
It felt well, I know, and it might you know as soon as we have to do thirty of them in a night or thirty of them in a day, we'll probably get real tired of it real fast. Sure. But you know, for the time being, I'm like, I want to try it. Like I, I heard the problems, and that's understandable. But I, you know, I've, I've never really run one, and I want to try it. Try it until, it gets, I, until it has problems, and then and yeah, then start. And then I'll, then I'll, I'll start to abstract it. Maybe we do it like every ten days or something. Right. You know, and um, but one of the things that I that that is this is really kind of you know. The more my brain spends time pondering D and D, the more I, I like get deep into these like weird ideas. And uh, one of them is the idea of randomness and creativity, which I don't think is a typical idea on itself. Um, but uh, what I found is like I spent some time beforehand generating some random stuff. And then writing it all down in my notebook. And then like now I'm now I felt prepared. And then I went to the game and said, It sucks that I already did this. I want to see what happens at the table. And then I threw out I'm going, I'm 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 still Yeah, 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 you're fine. Uh, So I threw out the ones I had done and rolled at the table to see what happened. And it made me to me, that was like an exciting part of the game. Like I didn't know what was gonna happen. And then when I saw it, I had said, Okay, now how am I gonna make this fun and cool? And, you know, and I did. And it was great. They got attacked by a snapping turtle who was underneath the swamps and nearly killed the character a bit. And it was, you know, they had these kind of fun events. So that idea that, you know, some people look at random encounters and say, oh, they suck because they don't have any purpose to the story. Well, guess what your job is? You know, find a way to make the random encounter you just rolled more interesting to the story. (laughs) Well, and and so, so on one hand, I'm generally that guy who says random encounters suck. They have nothing to do with the story. On the other hand, this is an exploration adventure. Like that's kind of the point. Yeah, right. Not and, the, not and, the pointless storyless yeah, stuff, but to explore right. and yeah. whatever. And sometimes you're going to run into stuff that has nothing to do with the main story because that's what happens. Now yeah. in Storm King's Thunder, you could go off on a tangent for three months, you know, and I did <laughs> right. Like they decided to make a choice, and next thing you know, they didn't see a giant for three weeks. Right. You know. In an adventure about giants, yeah, um, and so see, sometimes that sucks, <laughs> and sometimes you know, well, that was a random encounter thing. That was actually choices they made in the adventure, but but, but yeah, still. like it, it it can anyway. So I but I'm enjoying I'm enjoying doing that, and and I do think that there's this really interesting like you know the that how do we use our our super creative our super creative brains are good at some things, but the one thing that we're bad at is we tend to drop in stereotypes. We we go for the most common monster. That fits in an area, or we jump, you know, we get the freaking, you know, Aronoth, you know, statues from Lord of the Rings every time they see a fantastic location. And, you know, sometimes we need a shock to our system to kind of really break us free, and a little bit of randomness mm. breaks us out. And so this is going to get really nerdy for a minute. So I apologize, but I'm doing a lot with like machine learning kind of stuff, you know, how to, how to read lots of text and then learn stuff to have machines learn from the text and then be able to detect stuff. Mm-hmm. And they use a lot of randomness in those things in order to make sure that they're not stuck in a rut. You know, they call it, they call it overfitting. And it's when you write an algorithm that fits your data so perfectly, but then doesn't fit anything after that. And what they'll do is they use, there's, there's random forest where it literally randomizes some stuff just to add this, messiness to it mm-hmm. so that it doesn't get stuck in a rut and that's exactly what these random encounters do for our brains right they, they just shock us out of what we think might be in the swamp and then you're like wow snapping turtle what the hell am i gonna do with that you know yeah so so i love that idea and I'm, i've been having a lot of fun with with randomness as a as a way to uh enjoy the game and and something jeremy crawford talked about in encounter he did a segment on D on the uh, dragon talk recently that was i think the best segment i've heard on dragon talk ever 
and it was about encounter building, particularly combat encounter building. But one of the things he brought up there is that the randomness of things like monster damage or uh, he particularly used it with the um, recharge on like a dragon's breath weapon, that the fact that the DM doesn't know whether or not the dragon's going to get the breath back or not is part of the game the DM is playing. All right. It's our it's our game, right? So, um, yeah, so in the Jeremy Crawford thing, that so the idea that my, my new version of the game, like when I think about it as what's the DM's game, to me, the importance of improvisation and the importance of uh, this idea of rolling randomly and then seeing a thing come up and then figuring out how to make that important and fun, that's my new game, right? And uh-huh. I think that that's, a, a, you know, my, my, I think it's generally good advice for DMs, period, because we end up having to improvise so much. Mm. The more that we try to avoid that idea, I don't want to improvise. I want to have a good plan. I want it. Well, you know, we all know what happens when you try to run that at a table. <laughs> Take a left turn, right? So, you know, it, I mean, it's beyond like us. We just make you know, make stuff up the whole time. This There's some structure to it, you know, and Anyway, so I really like the randomness. I, at least I like it right now, um, and I and I uh, uh, want to keep going with it. So, so I'm having a great time. You know, they just went north to um, uh, Fort Bellorarian, which is the fort of the um, Flaming Fist mercenaries, and they mm-hmm. found out about that fact that the captain who's there, who's equal rank to Sindra Sylvain, uh, in my in my version of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, is corrupt and has paid off the pirates to make sure that Baldur's Gate stuff go. And so they had to navigate that without her realizing that they found that out because they don't want to, you know, cause a big catastrophe. Mm-hmm. So they had lots of fun intrigue there. And now they're starting to head off. Oh, and they said, oh, we're going to go. We heard that there's a boat on the East Coast and we're going to go to the boat and take that and then we'll be great. Well, the boat is Frost Giants and they don't know that yet. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like that, I already know that that plan's going out the window. Which will, you know, which, which will be a nice little homage to the whole uh, Storm King's Thunder thing. That's right. And this is a group that's played Storm King's Thunder. So they're right. like, oh, my God, giants? You know, what the hell are frost giants? And then the, the Ardus Ember thing. Did they, they, did they go th- yeah, say, did they go through the, the they did, frost did not, thing? But they have heard that the frost giants were seeking this Ring of Winter. And what, what okay. uh, Clouth had told them in that one was there is no such thing as the Ring of Winter. And it's then a, they're going to find it. And then they'll see it. Yeah, or they'll, you know, they'll find Ardus Ember and all that. So cool. anyway, I'm I'm really enjoying it. I think it's a fan. It might be my favorite adventure. Oh, cool! Uh, my, my previous, I'll, I'll know better than Curse of Strahd. Well, I, I was gonna say I'll know in a year, and Curse yeah. of Strahd is still currently my top favorite one. I feel but, like I feel like Curse of Strahd require like it's it's pretty much fantastic out of the box. Whereas Tomb of Annihilation, I have to do some tweaks to make well, it work, and they're I, not they're not impossible or hard yeah. tweaks. The funny thing is when I read Curse of Strahd, when I read, I, I like read back on previous reviews that I wrote, or not reviews, but like, you know, articles about how to run Curse of Strahd. And I had the same problem, which is that you need to know the connections between the NPCs and the places. Mm-hmm. So it's like, wow, I guess this is sort of a thematic problem, at least for me, right? I don't know if anybody else cares, but, you know, I know that like when I ran Curse of Strahd, it's like, well, what, what things are they going to find in uh, the towns like Veliki? What in Veliki is going to connect them to the other areas? Yeah, the stories. In, yeah, the, the, right. It's sort of like you want people connected to places by seeds or hooks, right? right. And and I just I just want a big, you know, like a one of those chart. crazy FBI. Things. Right. I want a big chart with a bunch of here are the people and here are the places and here's the lines. And by the way, maybe page numbers that tell you what page all that stuff is on. But but I also wonder if that's just over preparing on my part. The reality is I could just run the first section. 
and it'll go fine. And then we'll figure it out layer by layer, you mm-hmm. know, rather each each layer though. But then I, I still go back to, yeah, but except some of these NPCs are really, in my opinion, steer the whole adventure in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But I, I like it very much. I know when I'm finished with it, and I'm hoping to finish this one much sooner than Storm King's Thunder. Yeah. Uh, this to me, I'm hoping will be a six month adventure. Well, this um, this is one that can go long or not, depending on how much of the exploration and side stuff you want to do. Yeah, and I, I, I right, I, I, I think I don't, I don't really have a plan for that yet. I'm just going to see how it goes for the characters, for right. the players, and me. But yeah, I like it. I just, I think it's a, it's a really fun, it's a really fun adventure. Okay, right on. Well, I look forward to continue hearing how it's going for you because this, yeah, this, this is one I may actually come back to and and run. Yeah, well, Sam, Sam's running this one too, so. Next time mm-hmm. I'll be really looking forward to hear. Sam's actually running the abbreviated version. So it's gonna, really... yes, hey, it's gonna be, it's gonna be the Tomb of Annihilation podcast for for a few months, huh? That's all right. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's a good one. So. All right, well, good deal. And then I'll I'll throw in my mix of other stuff. So sure, that'd be fun. All right, well, we're gonna go ahead and, and wrap this up then, if that's cool with you. Yep. All right. Um, so I want to first of all let people know that if you want to support us on the Tome Show, you can go to uh, thetomeshow.com and find the links there for Amazon and DMs Guild. If you click on those, you get the exact same experience, the exact same prices, and everything. But they throw a little bit our way. That you know the DMs Guild stuff we use to buy products that we then use for our reviews. Uh, Amazon stuff I share with all the contributors. Uh, I think Mike gets a, a an Amazon gift card what once a year or so Yay. Uh, as a way of saying. Thanks for, for what he does on the show. Uh, you can also support us directly. You can go to patreon.com slash the tome show and become a patron to the show. Uh, you know, for as little as a dollar a month, you can, you know, get in on that little community and, and as awesome and supportive as they are. Uh, and so that's a good, great way of supporting the show as well. Uh, and we're sorry that Sam couldn't make it tonight. He had work stuff come up at the sort of the last minute. So these things happen. Um, but, you know. I think we managed to ramble and film most of the time anyway without him. <laughs> so. Yep. All right. Hopefully uh, when he's back next month, he can add a little more um, you know, sanity to our, our insane ramblings, huh? Yeah. Having, having two people like us on that, that like nothing more than hearing the sound of our own voice uh, can be dangerous. Right. <laughs> so, all right. Well, we're going to call it quits there and say goodbye, Mike. Goodbye, Mike. Oh, wait. <laughs>